It's the Dogcast, episode number 72. Good God Almighty, the dogs win 14 to 13. Okay, dog fans, it's that time of week. Every Sunday night, the dog cast brings it to you. We break it down for you. And I'm telling you, the World Service, the dog cast, the Bulldog Nation, guys, we were on the edge of our seats yesterday. Tell me you weren't worried about Georgia losing that game yesterday. Tell me you weren't biting your nails when uh, those fourth downs didn't go our way. Old dog, it's the dog cast, baby. Episode 72, man. Let's get this party started. What have you got to say about this Georgia Colorado game? Well, it was a it was a shocker, and I tell you, I'm not a hundred percent because uh, after the game, I ate some bad buffalo, and it's not sitting real well with me. I'm telling you, man. I tell you, I got I mean, a lot of things to say about this game, man. But you know, here's the, here's the main thing you got to take away from this. You know, it was a character building experience. I think it was a wake up call for our fans. I think it was a wake-up call for our freshmen, Chris Durham, Matthew Stafford, those kind of guys. I think it was a wake-up call for our coaching staff. I think it was a wake-up call for the entire University of Georgia nation, you know, the whole football nation. But, you know, a character win like this, anytime you can learn a lesson on the football field and not take a loss, that's not too bad a deal. Oh, right. And, I mean, it's going to be real interesting to see how the team rebounds from this i think they were probably taking this game as lightly as uh as i was damn you know you know my keys to victory were you know we just need to show up i know do this and that and you know i was joking but apparently the uh, players that listened to us took it to heart well you know cade weston yeah you know cade weston listens and you know prince miller listens and i'm telling you i got you know how many emails i've had to li- to reply to today old dog because of you you and your keys to the victory old dog all we gotta do is show up i mean they've been launching emails in here crushing me today because we at the dog cast didn't take the game seriously enough but you know my response is look we didn't know who the quarterback was gonna be we didn't know how how in the hell can you forecast that the 114th team offensive production team in the country is going to put up 250 yards rushing? You know, I don't think I don't think we can be held that responsible. I mean, we took them we took them lightly. There's no doubt, but damn, old dog, how do you no, see this and, coming? Well, well, you didn't. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you're talking about a team that lost to Montana State. I know. And, and they actually, I mean, and they should have beat us. I mean, they ran all over us and really dominated the game. I mean, yeah. it was, uh, we just, we did not look prepared on either side of the ball uh, for this game, which, you know, that is solely on the players and the coaches, out of doubt. I don't know what it was, you know, what what happened if they're looking forward to, to a Tennessee game. What the, or just you know yeah. want to see the buffalo? You know I don't you know, think what the thing was. But. I, 
I don't think that's it. I don't think they were looking ahead. I just don't think we were taking this opponent seriously. I mean, it, you know, and I'll tell you this, in more ways than one, it felt a lot like the West Virginia game in the Sugar Bowl last year. If you think yeah. back, me and you, in Atlanta for that Sugar Bowl, we were not taking West Virginia seriously. And I'll tell you another no. parallel. You know, Willie Martinez and our defensive ends and our whole defensive scheme – we are not set up. We do not respond well to very fast, very mobile quarterbacks. Martinez said today in the tell, you know, the press conference today, you know, that they had a good game plan. And I'll tell you, this is another point I want to make. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to make any damn jokes about Dan Hawkins anymore. Dan Hawkins had a plan. He had a game plan. It was a good, solid, fundamental game plan. He exploited our weaknesses, and he worked his plan to the T, baby, for 58 minutes. And I'm telling oh, you, my he, hat, my hat's off to Dan Hawkins. He came prepared he, he did without a doubt, and, and what and what he pointed out, and this is something that goes back to the West Virginia game, and this is really the first team we've seen that did it. But we do not protect our flats very well at all. No. If you can, if you can get a runner out there, or you can, or more drag a tight end, pass in there, you know, you've got 20 yards because we just are not set up for some reason, you know, to handle that, and that is our weakness. Well. And, I think, you know, and these boys from Colorado were not going to be the only people to see it. Here's the thing. See, we have these really we have these good cornerbacks and stuff. If you run those receivers off the line and you've got Johnson and Moses, they are collapsing that pocket. Those guys are all about collapsing the pocket. And they ran, you know, I mean bootlegs, they ran like something like 15 naked bootlegs in the first half, old dog. And those guys oh, when Jackson would roll out of the pocket, if he makes it, if he gets by Johnson or Moses on the end, and you've sent the receivers downfield, like you said, the flat is unprotected. You can drag a tight end out there, or if the quarterback can just get there with his feet on a bootleg, we got problems, and we don't defend oh, that well. And they were, and they were about two steps faster than our uh, than our two ends. Absolutely, and I think this was probably the fastest team that we have played this year. Oh, uh, I think no doubt. Today. And you know we've got a we've got a whole lot of work to do. Well, on that. thank heavens, uh, you know we did we did bow up, we did stop them when we needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put in a different quarterback, but you know added a spark, and uh, we came away with a victory. It was hard fought, and it shouldn't have been as hard as it was. But uh, you know the bottom line is we're still uh, we're still four and zero. Well, yeah, I know. I don't want to get too negative too soon. We're going to break this down for you, fans. We're going to break this down bit by bit here in a minute. I just kind of want to get my general thoughts out there, and I started getting a little too detailed. But you're right, old dog. It was a really hard-fought victory. The dogs did come up. The defense came up when we needed it, and the offense came up when we needed it. But it certainly wasn't a pretty game, man. So I want to let's break it down. The most important thing to take, like I said, is poise. Our guys, you cannot say, nobody can say, not Lee Corso or Lou Holtz, nobody can say that our guys got flustered at no time. Not even, not Matthew Stafford notwithstanding, our guys did not get flustered. I mean, even Momass with the drop balls, Momass had two drop balls. He didn't get flustered, and he came back to make a couple of good plays, you know. Our team held a great amount of poise, and I was real proud of that. Oh, well, I agree with you. I agree <laughs> with you on that. And, yeah. Uh, 
you know, in Cox when he came in, uh, you know, from everything that I've heard uh, from some of the players, you know, said he was just as calm as he could be. First thing he said in the huddle is, you know, we can do this. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's that's the attitude you have to have. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about the offense. Let's talk about the passing game to start off. What do you think about Stafford? What did you think about Stafford's performance, man? Well, I, I, think, he got, I think he got frustrated. Uh, I don't think we had a real good offensive plan, uh, you know, for Colorado. Uh, there were numerous times during the game, especially in the early part, where he had plenty of time to pass and no one was open. Right. Uh, I don't think we had a very good offensive scheme you know, against these guys. And, you know, as as bad as it looks in the stats, I mean, the poor kid had six dropped balls. Yes. You know, I mean, he wasn't throwing them to himself. You know, it takes two on that. But I also think it's probably the first time in his career where he's really felt pressure like that, too. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, things are not going your way. I mean, you know, this isn't high school in Texas anymore. You're and not kidding, he can't buddy. do it all. You know, it is a team game, and I think he probably just, you know, it, he looked, by the by the third quarter, he kind of looked like a deer in the headlights. Well, you know, he looked a lot like a freshman. You know, and yeah. Coach, and like you said, Coach Rick did take some of the credit, or some of the blame, I should say, in the press conference today for not having a proper setup to, you know, help Stafford ensure success. But I got to tell you, you know, I took a lot of flack and email over the past 48 hours, and I got to tell you, you know, I think, old dog, it's very fair to say, if you've been around, if you've been listening to the Dogcast for a long time, you know two things about us here. One, we've been carrying the torch for Joe Cox since the beginning. We were the biggest supporters of Joe Cox back in the spring that you could find, and we were the last people to get on the Matthew Stafford bandwagon. And I got to tell true. you, Old dog, I got a I got a point to make about this. Here's my point. You know, Stafford made a lot of mistakes yesterday. He put the ball on the ground. He threw some he threw some bad deep balls. He continues to throw a bad deep ball. He throws it too damn far. I mean, you that, know, and and, and and that's just and not I don't care how yeah, I don't care how strong his arm is, man, if he can't throw it to the receivers, you know? Exactly. He also held the ball too long on many, many occasions where, you know, he would have been a whole lot better just throwing it out of bounds and come back to live another day. Well, here's my point, old dog. This is something I've been kind of thinking about, and I thought about this a lot. When they put Joe Cox in and they put his high school record up there, the kids never lost a game before. He never lost a game in high school, you know? And I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking about Stafford, and I started thinking about some other quarterbacks that I've known, guys like Jeff George and guys like Buck Ballou. You know, there's all kinds of prototypical quarterbacks, different types of players. You have the stat guys, the guys that can throw the ball in a trash can from 170 yards away. And then you have the guys that can't play worth a crap, but they just get W's. And, you know, and David Green was kind of, I thought, in that category. I mean, David Green was a good quarterback, but he wasn't a technician. You know, he wasn't a, you know, a gunslinger type kind of guy. He was just a winner. He did the kind of things you need to do to win. And I got to tell you, old dog, if Stafford turns out to be one of these technicians and Joe Cox turns out to be one of these winners, like a Buck Baloo type, I got to tell you, I'll take a winner over a statistician any day. 
What do you think about that? What do you think well, about that? I, I have to agree with you. That I, I certainly agree with you on the fact that we need a winner. Uh, I'm not sure I would put Matthew Stafford in the in the category with uh, well, Mad Bomber Jeff George. It, I know, I know, yet. I know. And, I'm on and again, thin ice here. And, and again, uh, you know, Jeff George is a is a maniacal <laughs> egomaniac. Where I, I, I think Stafford, you know, I think a lot of his problems a come from the fact that this is brand new offense. He's a freshman, and you know, again, if let's just say four of those six drop balls get caught, you know, we may not have to have Cox in there to score two touchdowns either. That's true. You know, and Moments dropped two of those balls. You know, I mean, I can't – We it was it was the entire offense that sucked. Well, it wasn't just one guy. Offensive line played horrible. The receivers, horrible. The running game, horrible. God I mean, you know, there's really know. not a whole lot of positive you can bring out of it. And, don't even and get I me don't started. Don't think anybody can stick it all on on one 18 year old kid. Well, I just want you to know kind of what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? A lot of people write in. They say we bring in that Athens experience to them. You know, because we are broadcasting from downtown under the bunker, underneath Sanford Stadium. But I just want you to know, that's just kind of the feeling I had yesterday. I started thinking, you know, maybe Stafford's going to be one of these kids that gets the numbers, but maybe not the Ws. And I know that's early. I'm not really thinking that. But it was just in the back of my mind. And I just want to get it on the table early so I can yes, play throw this it tape. Out there. So I throw can play it out there. The Generate the email. I'm going to play this tape for you three years from now when I'm going to say, you know, I told you. I told you he was a stat guy. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about the running game, old dog, because, you know, if you guys have been listening to the Dogcast, you know we carry the torch also for Craig Lumpkin here, baby, and we I don't have any really any true love or allegiance for Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown finished the day yesterday, old dog, with negative yardage. He had one big run that was called back on a crappy penalty, but still, the facts are, old dog, he had negative yardage on the day. Craig Lumpkin comes in and saves the day. I'm telling you, oh. if if Joe Cox... And Craig Lumpkin don't start against Mississippi. I think it's. I think an injustice is going to be done. Well, I mean, I I have to agree with you on that. I think Cox certainly uh, certainly deserves some play. And you know, from the very beginning, we've always been big fans of Lumpkin here. You know, I liked him before the knee injury, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, have been rooting for him ever since. You know, to come back and and get that enough time to where he's back a hundred percent. Because I think of the three running back, he is backs. He's probably the strongest. But again, as I have often said, you can't. You can have the greatest runner in the world back there, but if you don't have an offensive line blocking for you, you're not going to gain any yardage. Well, and I know. The problem with our running game was not the fact that Thomas Brown or Lumpkin or Danny Ware aren't hard runners. It's the fact that our offensive line wasn't opening up any holes. I don't know what defensive scheme they had, but those guys just got baffled all day long. Well, uh, it there's was no not, doubt. It was not a pretty sight to see. Well, Stafford got sacked twice. You know, Thomas Brown only carried the ball three times for a grand total of negative seven yards, you know. But Craig Lumpkin still, you know, Craig Lumpkin was able to get something done, whereas Thomas Brown was not able to get anything done, you know. And uh, that rushing game was really poor. I mean, until Craig Lumpkin kind of took over in the fourth quarter and actually started to make something. And, hey, how about Danny Ware? 
Danny Ware putting the damn ball on the ground. You know what I mean? Little little fumbleitis again. I'm and telling you what. Good, we, how many times we've we seen Danny that? Danny Ware is. That is what lost in playing time last year, and that's what lost in playing time yesterday. Some playing time, some playing time this year too. Absolutely. Because that's one thing that Coach Rick will not put up with is turnovers, and you got especially it. running backs putting the ball on the ground. Well, you know, and he did on it. On a very it, positive note, none of our quarterbacks threw an interception. That's true. That is true. That is good. And Matthew Stafford was certainly under pressure. I mean, he got hurried. He got sacked. He did make that little – he made still made some stupid freshman mistakes, though. That little shovel pass, I don't know what was going on with that. They, you know, I mean, he's still making the I'm trying too hard to make a play kind of stuff, you know? Well, and, and again, I think a lot of that probably just came out of his frustration from everything. And uh, it was, you know, obviously it was the right decision – to put somebody else in there, you know, that came in, calmed the situation down, and and took us to victory. But, I mean, we need to take away from this not just one player at one position, but we've got, if this pointed out anything, it certainly pointed out a, a huge, huge lack of focus from the players and especially on the offensive line as far as the offense is concerned. Yeah. Because if the offensive line had performed up to their standard, then we wouldn't have had these these troubles that we're having well in the Colorado game with, you know, negative yards on running. I mean, we had what, twenty two yards in the first quarter. Yeah. Or something like that. It was it was horrible. Well I and, mean... you know, don't mean to beat up the offense too much because the defense was just as bad. Well, I mean, dude, we finished the day with only 54 yards rushing, man, on oh, 27 I attempts. I mean, that's two yards per rush is what our, our average, you know? I mean, that's Well, pathetic. all I can say is, you know, thank heavens we were playing the worst team in Division One. Yeah. Because if we had played any other team with the lack of focus that we had, we would have had, we would have had an L. And, you know, I just got finished, just last week, praising this team for not playing down to their competition like we have in the past, you know, how we played up for UAB and how we were smashing teams that were supposed to smash. I just got that out of my mouth, and then here we do. We turn in this damn lackluster, sleepwalking performance against Colorado. And I'll tell you something else, too. Just as soon as I get out of my mouth that I think Joe Cox and Craig Lumpkin should start this week, you should know, old dog, and I know you do know this, at the press conference today, dog fans, Coach Rick said that the quarterbacks, Cox and Stafford, are both going to get equal number of snaps. They're going to split the snaps down the middle in practice this week, and he's going to name a starter that he will not make public on Friday evening, and we are not going to know who the starter is until kickoff at 9 p.m. next Saturday night. Old Dog, what do you think about that strategy? Well, I like it. I mean, you know, and same thing with running backs. We've got a lot of talent at those positions, and we need to put the one that's best suited uh, for the game in there. And if it throws the opponent off a little bit because they can't prepare – for one particular style of quarterback or one particular style of running back, then, you know, more power to us. That's the way to go. Well, that's true. I mean, it is a strategy session, you know. I mean, even though Ole Miss is down, we certainly need to turn in a good performance against Ole Miss. This oh, week. absolutely. And, I mean, I think I think what we need to do is this team needs to bounce back. They need to go down to Mississippi 
and just trounce them. I mean, there's no reason we shouldn't. And then, you know, get into the Tennessee game, which is going to be a tough one. Right. Well, I tell you what, there's only one more thing I want to cover on the offense. Then we're going to take a little break and come back and talk about Willie Martinez. And come back and bash the defense a little we're bit. We're going to come back and bash Willie Martinez, by God, because I got a quote out of his ass today, and I got something for him, Jack. Because I know Willie. I know, Willie, you're listening to the show. But anyway, I want to talk about Mo Mass and these drops, okay? Um, after Mo Mass made those drops yesterday, you could hear there was a lot of booing in the stands. And. While you guys know, if you've been listening to the show since the beginning, you know I never really condone booing the Bulldogs, okay? And I think bashing the coach and booing the team is almost always wrong. But I got to tell you, yesterday, I thought that was actually pretty damn constructive booing on MoMass. And I don't think... There were some guys in the press box that were pretty mad about that, saying that we were the worst fans in the SEC. But, Old Dog, I think the reason people were booing Mo Mass on those drops yesterday is because we all know damn good and well that Mo Mass can do better. I mean, he's not Martrez Milner, okay? He's not... Uh, Sean Bailey. Mo Mass is the number one, he used to be the top receiver in the SEC. And I know damn good and well that that kid can catch footballs. And when he drops two balls, it's a big deal. It's not like Martrez Milner dropping a couple of balls. We expect Martrez Milner to drop balls. We don't we expect those other guys to drop balls, but we don't expect Momass to drop balls. And I think the booing got his attention because he turned in some really smart plays and did some really great blocking and some heady running in the uh, second half. What do you think? Where do you come down on the booing thing, old dog? Well, well, I tell you what, I've uh, you know I'll boo a coach because he's getting paid, but I will never ever boo a player because <laughs> those kids are out there. They're not, you know, they're not making a cent. They're out there for the love of the game, and they're out there for the prod. Uh, I think, you know, these receivers not catching. This is a this is a chronic problem that we have. I know. It wasn't this game. It's not this season. You know, it goes back to last year. We've we've got some. We've got a problem in the way we're coaching these kids on catching because our receivers don't catch the ball the way they should. I mean, we're taking good receivers, and, I mean, Momass came in as a freshman, caught everything thrown to him. Yes. He's been in our system for a year, and now he's dropping them. I tell you, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. And, you know, in you know, fact – I don't know – Well, I was going to tell you – I don't you. know what it is that we're doing, but, uh, you know, obviously we're not doing the things that we need to do to get these receivers to catch the ball. It may be the tennis ball machine. Maybe they need to unplug it. Well, Coach Rick talked about this thing today. Coach Rick, was he specifically addressed our coaching technique on receivers today in the press conference. And he's talking about, I mean, I don't know. You know, he said the problem is is our receivers are letting the ball get into their body, okay? And he said our receivers are not letting the, not catching the ball in their hands. Now, I can tell you, old dog, I coach Little League football, and I tell seven-year-olds to catch the ball in their hands. Every kid who's ever played any kind of receiver at all knows that the ball gets into your body, there's a chance it's going to bounce off your pads. And that's of what's course. happening, especially with these hot balls that Stafford's throwing. And also, but you know, why Why is Coach Rick having to come out in the fourth game of the season press conference and say, you know what, 
I think we're letting our ball get into our we're letting the ball get into our body. I mean, that's like that's receiving 101. That's like on page 1 of the handbook, they hand receivers. And Momas has got a year in the league. You got Chris Durham. These kids know how to catch a football. I think you made a great point. You said the it's the program. We're taking kids who can catch and making them into kids who can't catch. Right. Uh you know, it reminds me of uh the the hard days when uh, we had Bill Lewis as our defensive coordinator who taught kids how not to tackle. I know. He taught them to blow people up. He instructed the missile shot. But, you know, right. we, I, we can't go there. But, uh, by God, here's one thing I got to say. We had one kid who made a catch yesterday when it counted. We had one kid who threw a great ball when it counted. Joe Cox laid a perfect ball into the end zone with 48 seconds left in the game. And Martrez Milner... Old brick hands himself hauled that baby in, and I gotta he tell sure you, did. he came up, he came up big, and and I tell you too, hats off to uh, our fullback on the first touchdown too. Oh, Brady's I mean, man! Oh, that was awesome. I that mean, was... we got scores from guys that you don't normally look to, you know, to to do the scoring. <laughs> if and I had to I pick, it, well, I was just gonna say, you know, I, we could we could sit here all night long and and you know bash the game. And bash what we did. I I vote we take a break, leave the offense alone. I think I agree. we uh, you know pointed out pointed out what we think are our problems, and uh, let's come back and uh, and beat up the defense a little bit. Well, yeah. Before we take a break, yeah. After all of that, we go over thirty minutes of us bashing everything that went wrong. By God, Martrez Milner made the play when we needed to play. Des Williams, Brandon Sutherland making the plays when we need the plays. Mo Mass getting out of bounds. Craig Lumpkin taking the ball upfield, and Joe Cox comes in and slings it, man, when we need it to be, when we needed something big. And those kids showed a lot of poise. I'm proud of them. We got a W. We learned a lesson, and we didn't take the L. We didn't take the loss, and that's the best kind of lesson. So, dog fans, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, dog fans, we're back from the break. We're done with the offense. Now we're going to talk about the defense, okay? Old dog, our shutout, our our string of shutouts went out the window yesterday. How did you feel when, uh, I tell you, I felt great when we blocked that field goal. I thought, man, the shutouts are going to last. But the shutouts did not last. We gave up 13 points yesterday. Well, I tell you, you know, I, I I wasn't sure we could continue, uh, you know, pitching shutouts time after time after time. And, you know, I knew we wouldn't, although I did not expect to see Colorado just fly up and down the field, you know, at will. Yeah. And I think probably the most distressing part of that was after, and again, you know, I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but it does 
remind me of going back to the West Virginia game. Someone has got to be able to see what they are doing, and then we need to react to it. I mean, it doesn't need to be the fourth quarter before we actually stop these people or the third quarter before we stop them. I mean, someone should have known. I mean, I'm sitting in the stands, and I can see we've got no one in the flat to stop this stuff. They're going to keep doing it until we do, and we're not making the adjustment to do it. I mean, it reminds me of last year's Florida game. You know, they I know. Just, you know, bam, first two times they had the ball. Then we made the adjustment. We have got to make adjustments quicker. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to defense everything. If you're strong at one point, that's because you're going to be weak at something else. And these coaches are good. They're going to exploit the weakness until you take care of it. And Coach Martinez, as good as he is, is not the kind of coach, apparently, that can make those adjustments on the fly like we have with Brian Van Gorder. There's there's no doubt about that. I mean, like I said earlier in the show, this game was frighteningly similar to that West Virginia game. You had a fast, mobile quarterback. You had one decent running back. Those two guys accounted for 150 rushing yards just between themselves. They were, they accounted for all the rushing yards, basically. You had the yeah. kid and, Bernard and Jackson. Tight end. And, he had, and their tight end who tore us up in the flats had three catches coming into this game had seven catches in this game alone I know. and tripled his yardage. I know. Seven catches for 71 yards. I mean, how come How come we can't have, like, a quarterback spy? I mean, like you said, like you said after the first quarter, it was pretty apparent to everybody that Bernard Jackson's going to roll out. He's going to roll out, he's, and he's going to either throw it to the tight end or he's going to run it. That's the only play they got. How come right. we can't put Verdun Wheeler and say, look, wherever Jackson goes, you go there and crush him, you know? We cannot adjust on the fly. We have no imagination on defense. And Martinez, for his part, he's in the press conference today. He says, well, you know, Dan Hawkins had a good strategy. He had a good game plan, you know, and uh, we did the best we could. But, uh, I mean, his game plan was sound. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, he had a good game plan, but why can't, like you said, why can't we make adjustments? Well, and, and exactly. And, you know, that, that's unacceptable talk. I know. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got real good teams coming up. I mean, you know. Real good teams. Everybody, everybody needs to keep in mind that this team is the worst team in Division One, and did this to us. I know. I know. Uh, you know, and and I think probably a lot of it was, you know, just from a lack of focus on on my part, your part, and the team's part, because apparently we set the uh, the tone for the game. So come Wednesday, the Mississippi Rebels are going to be the greatest team that ever no shit. put on put on the gray put on the gray of Mississippi. <laughs> We've learned our lesson, haven't we, dog fans? We're yes, not going to take have. we can't afford. You just can't afford to take a division 1 team lightly. It reminds me my old bookie old dog. I used to I used to have a local bookie here and uh I, I heard he, he used to tell me he said when you know whenever somebody tells me that team ain't got nothing or they ain't got anything going on or they're no good and they got nothing, he used to say I tell you what, they got 11 damn players on the field and they came to play. You know what I mean? Don't right. tell me a team ain't got nothing. They got let they they came to play, buddy. 
And that's exactly what Colorado did. And, uh, you know, so we don't beat up on the defense too bad. No. Uh, In fact, I think a lot of it, I think we need to point out some of the good things that happened on there. Uh, You know, everyone that saw the game, you know, knows it was a, it was just a piss poor effort, you know, on the defense. And I think so much of that actually does go to coaching and our failure to be able to adjust. I'll tell you one guy who didn't have a piss poor effort was damn Trey Battle. That kid was on fire. I mean, he was slinging people to the ground, man. In the second half, Trey Battle was playing like he was like, like he was like a man on fire. He was playing like he meant to stop the Colorado all by himself. And I appreciated it. He just effort. about did. Yeah, he just about did. I mean, he got he got he got the Colorado guys kind of hot because he was tackling with prejudice, man. I mean, he was tackling like I mean to stop you. I mean to hurt you. I want you not to cross the line of scrimmage. It was like something out of remember the Titans, man. I tell you, Trey Battle's effort was incredible, and I really loved it. His passion and, and fire is awesome. And we need we need all eleven players with that same fire and passion in these upcoming games. Right from it the can't coin be toss, just one. Right and from the just, coin exactly. toss, exactly. And we can't, uh, you know, we can't just do walkthroughs. I mean, we need to, you know, and hopefully this brought it out to them that we can get beat by anybody if we don't bring our A game. That's exactly right, old dog. I couldn't have said it better myself. Like I mean, like we said at the back of the beginning, dog fans, this was a character-building win. It was a lesson without the L. And uh, we showed a lot of poise on both sides of the ball. We didn't quit. We didn't give in. We didn't hang our heads. And we didn't make mistakes, at least on the players. I mean, the players did what they were supposed to. I had a couple of problems with those zone runs on the fourth down. I know you guys didn't like the play calling. I wasn't happy about the play calling either on those third and fourth downs in the red zone. But uh, even showbiz wife. Right, but two, and that's not the kids, that's the coaches. Exactly. I was going to say, hey, the showbiz wife said we should have kicked two field goals in the red zone down there, you know, when we were on the fourth down. Well, I'll tell you you this, and and I think think it was Joe Cox that stated it, and I don't think he could have stated it any better. If we can't can't make two, three, or four yards against Colorado – on a fourth down, then we don't need to be wearing a G on the side of our helmet. Well, you know, I agree with you, old dog. And I and I, I did, I chided the showbiz wife, too. I don't like the whole, like you said, I want a go-for-it mentality. I'll take a go-for-it mentality over a let's kick the field goal and get, you know, over a tie mentality any day, you know. I want to go for it, go for it, go for it. Exactly. Absolutely. we got to get those we're, yards. We're winners. We're not tires. We want that. We, and we want the mentality of a team that's going for it. But, Damn right, and and you got to have confidence, and that's one thing. That's one thing that going forward on fourth down does for you. It shows the kids out there that the coaching staff has confidence in them. That we believe in our boys, and yeah. uh, and when we don't get it, we don't hang our heads. We send the defense on the field, and we get the ball right back, and we well, go right back to business. And and when it counted, you know, as as easy as it is you know, to talk down and to bash everything, and it was an ugly-ass game. But, you know, when it was on the line and we needed the defense to step up and we missed that last fourth down with, you know, two minutes or 214 or 159, you know, whatever it was, the defense came up big, you know, stopped them, mm-hmm. got us the ball back, and gave us a chance to win, and that's all you can ask for. And, 
How about Tony and Taylor? We, and we did. How about Tony Taylor making a pick? Tony Taylor sticking with a wideout and making a pick on the last play of the game, man. I couldn't believe that was a stinking linebacker in there intercepting that ball. That was beautiful, man. Well, and, and I tell you, you know, as good as the touchdown was, that pick may have been just as good because their kicker, you know, they were saying he could knock it in from 60 yards out. I know, possibly. I know, I know, you know, dude. So, I mean, that 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 put it on there. And, uh, you know, talking about kicking, we can't leave that out either. Our, our special teams were poor, too. I mean, there was nothing that we did good on Saturday. <laughs> I tell you, even the normally unflappable Brandon I don't even Kattu. think the band played as well as they usually do. Well, I mean, granted, Katu missed a 53-yarder, which is a pretty long field goal attempt, but still... I mean, he missed it. He missed it bad, you know. So I mean, it, it was just it was just a bad game. I'm just game. saying there was no there was nothing stellar at You're right. all about the game. You're right. And, you know, I think what we need to do is just put this one behind us. Thank God we got a win. We got out of it. Uh you're not going to have an undefeated season without something like this. We're going to learn from it. We're going to go down, we're going to trounce Mississippi, and then we're going to then we're going to shove uh, the Rocky Top Mountains right back up Tennessee's uh, rear ends. <laughs> well, I tell you what, on that fire and brimstone note, old dog, we're going to wrap up this show, baby. That's all I've got That's to say good. about the Colorado game. Let's burn the film and move on. Ole Miss coming up 9 o'clock on Saturday night in Oxford. So, right. dog fans, we'll see you back here Thursday morning for your pregame show against Ole Miss. Thanks for listening. Give us a call at 706-534-1516. Tell us what you think about the show. Tell us what you think about the Colorado game. Tell us what you're looking forward to about the Mississippi game. Or email us at dogcast at gmail.com. We appreciate your feedback. Thanks for listening. Old Dog, take us out of here. Go dogs. There you go. What's up, Dogcast? It's Drew from Athens. Um, Wow, what a close game. Very glad we won, but... The only thing I'm not, mad, not, not happy about is uh, we have another quarterback controversy, Cox and Stafford. Who's going to start next game? Who knows? Stafford didn't produce this game. Cox won the game for us. It's looking pretty rough. I don't know what's going on, but uh, all I'm glad about is we made it out today with a win. And by the way, uh, Derek, do not need a beer telephone, okay? I'm fine on the beer money. Just uh, here, Here's my buddy Mike. Here's what he has to say. Yeah, the dogs look good today. Well, kind of good. Joe Cox looked great. He represented Charlotte, where I'm from. Can't believe Drew's being so calm on the phone. About 10 seconds ago, he was running around like a drunken idiot. He has no pants on right now. He burst in on me while I was in the shower and, like, tackled me. So I don't know how he's so calm on the phone right now. But uh, how about them dogs? Pulled it out in the end. What? Go! Brought to you by Chili's. Come experience the art of the margarita at chilismargaritamadness.com.